The MX Vice Show. Welcome to episode 105 of the MX Vice Show podcast. There was no racing this weekend, uh, no MXGP, no pro motocross. There was the British Championship, which we're probably going to get into for some reason. But we are back after another week off, which I can only apologize for. But the important thing is we are back. And on a very quiet week, we have a podcast. So that's that's something at least. We have a podcast. Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Need Races, and Armour Nutrition. Coming up, we have Liat Ask Vice Anything, the Planet Moto Bombshell of the Week, and a lot more. A lot to talk about. A lot going on in the world at the moment. It feels like motocross is, um, is thriving. We have more racing. We have more series. We have generally a lot going on. But before we get to that, a message about the Fly Racing Formula Helmet, which presents part one of the MX Vice Show. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes, as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. And the Formula Helmet picked up another title uh, over the weekend because Conrad Muse won the British Championship using the Formula Helmet, which was never in doubt, really, because if it wasn't Conrad, it would have been Isaac Gifting. And if it wasn't Isaac Gifting, it probably would have been Kai Castmakers. All of those riders use the Fly Racing Formula helmet because why wouldn't they? They only want to protect themselves with the best. So if there was one thing you could have bet on at the start of the season, it's that Fly Racing would have won the MX2 class at the British Championship, like clockwork. I'm your host, Lewis Phillips, as normal. And with me is a man who we won't poke with a stick or anything. We'll just talk to him normally. It's James Burfield. That's very nice of you, Liz. Um, Wider said in respect. We don't want a repeat of last week. Well, last week, um, it was it was uh, a podcast that will never be aired. Never. The, the problem is, it was you're, the best podcast we've done. You were very horrible to me. I think after 105 episodes, the fact that I finally fought back shouldn't really come as <laughs> yeah. a... Finally fought back? No way. No, it was... Um, Last week I was so tired. I was so so tired, and there's like so much stuff going on at the moment. You know, we made we it thirty five minutes. We had thir- we got we got thirty five minutes, and it was really good. And then um, I asked James about Jorge Prado. I had a comment. I had an idea. I asked James. I said, "Ah, oh, what about this Jorge Prado?" 
And his reply was, I can't do this. And I thought he was okay. emotional about Jorge Prado. I thought he was really close yeah. with him. Maybe they bond. Maybe I didn't know that there was a bond there. Maybe a family, maybe the family trees collide one way or another. Maybe James is his secret father. Who knows? There was a lot of questions on the table. That, that no, resulted in that Jeremy Kyle situation resulted in us um, not releasing the podcast. Yeah, it was terrible, terrible. Let down sponsors, you let down yourself, everything. Wait, I let down myself. I think you let me down. <laughs> no, you let me down. Okay. So um, what have you been doing with your week off? <laughs> well, I saw you. Um... <laughs> yeah, we did. Like... We had a little meet-up yesterday. It was the first time for a long time. Um, but... You obviously made your return to racing. Yeah, attending. my first, yeah, first race since Mantova. March. So... Um, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was really nice actually to get back out, but uh, it was only Whitby, it was any sort of five hour drive, and um, yeah, still uh, still the old COVID reared its ugly head. Whitby, obviously the British Championship for people who don't know. Yeah, so uh, very old style track. Um, I think it had fog on a Sunday morning, rain, sun, just the usual British weather. So, um, but it was good. Um, it was quite. I think you might have watched it live as well. So race two between Cyril and Simpson was um, was uh, back to the good old days. That's that's great. Let's not devote too much time to that, but did you have a nice time? Yeah, it was good. It was good, yeah. It was it was, it was was nice to be back. Do you feel it like actually, a big... It, to be honest, actually being anywhere to do with motocross was actually, was just great. It was just really nice to be back back at races. So um, it's a shame that the uh, GPs don't um, work, um, uh, work out right for me, but I'm going on holiday next week, so... Yes, it's so annoying that in front don't base the calendar around your holidays. Well, I did. I did request a change. Um, they've moved because it because obviously, worse, so. obviously, you booking a holiday in the middle of August is you. You you were playing your cards safely there. You the safe bet is that there would be no racing in the middle in the whole of August. But well, they, smart they decided ass. to. Well, yes. smart ass. Um, this is one of those COVID holidays what have been delayed. And if I don't, if we don't go now, then we lose our money. So we're going. Well, if you lose your money, maybe you'd book a new holiday and you'd help the economy. <laughs> but it wouldn't be helping me, would it? But do one, take one for the team. You, you robbed us all of a podcast last week, so take one for anyway, the team now. And you're just the disappointed economy. that you can't um, race against me at uh, Udavella. Why would I race parks? against you? We actually did. We went to Udavala just me and you once. Did we? Yeah, it was just me and you for some horrific. I know you probably don't remember it because I too wish it's a weekend <laughs> to forget for myself. What? But, Where um, was Sean? It was the week after we had our camera equipment stolen. Oh damn! Was it? Yeah, twenty nineteen. It was the last time that there was a Swedish GP. Actually, it was a week after ah. we had all of our stuff stolen. I was the only one who didn't have my passport stolen, so I was going to go alone. And then you decided that actually one week after the company having everything stolen, sending me to a GP by myself might result in me having a breakdown. So um, <laughs> yeah. you tacked along. Oh, it, it just went from worse to worse, really, didn't it, around that period? Because di didn't I quit 24MX at that point as well? You quit MX Vice about 20 times in your life. Yeah. Well, it wasn't my company to, it was to probably, quit at that time. It was probably um, it was probably because you spent the weekend in Sweden alone with me. It probably just drove you over the edge. <laughs> it probably did. I can't believe that. Look at us going away together. Never again. No, it wasn't that bad. No, um, well, your, we, that's your opinion. I think 
Oh, that's what, yeah, we were chatting to Mitch, weren't we, at go-karting, because um, go the whole Honda squad done go-karting as well, didn't they? Of course, you have a really clear memory of something to do with Mitch Evans. Of course, that that is something that just shines brightly in your mind, because I have no memory of that, but then again, it was just a generic conversation. But of course, something that revolves around your your star, your bright light in the sky, um, you clearly remember. Um, the Evans family are a very nice family. What can I say? If they if they offered to adopt you, you would take it. Which yeah, may be more I, of a comment on your current on your current family. I don't know, but like, you would take <laughs> it. <laughs> I think Evansboroughfield has a ring about it. Anyway, um, but no, it is Sweden this weekend, and we'll get into that. But first of all, uh, we have a new championship, a new world championship, the Super Motocross World Championship. I believe is the official title. Right. Um, thoughts. Um, Actually, first of all, we all knew this was coming because it had been leaked quite a lot. Did you have any idea this was coming? Yeah, yeah. So I, I knew that it was coming. I just didn't know where it was gonna it was gonna sit. So obviously, they're starting with Supercross, then they're going over to uh, the Pro Motocross. But it, it uh, is one of these rounds straight after the, the last round of um, Pro Motocross. Um, nothing. There's no like calendar or nothing's been like concrete with that yet but i uh from what i, I can mention that that there was going to be one round dropping with the others to be confirmed or something no i think the plan is that eventually there will be one less ama national so there'll be tw- uh, 11 pro motocross rounds um and potentially maybe 16 supercross rounds but i think that's less likely than the pro motocross side um and then although like nothing's been firmed up about dates yet but it, i would imagine from what i can gather um Promo across will finish beginning of September, whatever, as it normally does. Middle of September, beginning of September. There will then be two weeks off, as there is between Supercross and Motocross. And then from there, there will be three Monster Cup-style events, is probably the best way to describe them. like Kind of like three individual Monster Cups um, that take us to like the middle of October. It's... But they're going to be in like places. So like one is it's obviously, cons- it's obviously confirmed that one of them will be in um, the LA Coliseum. And then, Which is cool as you like. And then the other two haven't been confirmed, but it's thought they will be places like Charlotte Motor Speedway. Did you go there? No, no. but you went there and you absolutely loved it. Yeah, still to this day, the best the best event I've been to. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, I know, you can't go on it about it enough. Yeah, what did you like about, about it? it? Everything. The... Um, I thought the track was cool, the crowd was loud, that was cool, the racing was good because Webb ran down Hurlings in the second race and that was all very exciting because he was a hometown guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, there were For some reason, of all the USGPs, that one had the most wild cards, like the most top American talent wild carding. So that was like a very good, exciting thing. Um, the atmosphere was cool, the whole setup was cool, it was very unique, so it felt quite like special and different and all overall, I just absolutely had time in my life. Yeah, there we go. So bring it back then, um, you'd go again? Of course. Um, <laughs> That's a joke. But um, no, and then yeah, so it's going to be those style events, those style races, those style tracks. Um, because obviously, the Monster Cup was originally meant to be a cross between motocross and supercross, and it never did have whoops, but it did eventually end up going in more of a supercrossy direction. Um but I imagine that these super motocross races will try and be more motocross style track in a more supercross location. 
So this is uh, the version of SMX what we had in Germany, kind of. No. No? No. First of all, I wonder if there's a naming rights thing there. I, I can't imagine that in front own the name. I don't think, because I don't think it was ever actually called Super Motocross. Or was it? Like, obviously, everyone called it SMX for short, but I can't remember what it actual... I think it was called like the, manuf- the Super Manufacturer's Fight Trophy thing. I can't remember what it's called. Um, hold on, I'm going to Google it. What one thing which interests me is uh, obviously this. This is a way of um, the US kind of solidifying, um, keeping the riders within those two championships now. Hey, because now there's more money, more riding. Or do you think this brings other riders into it? Because what about the riders which have got Supercross only contracts? Well, how's how's that going to work? So obviously not going to do motocross season. But then, do they do this series? Like, how does that how does that work? Well, so it's top twenty two in each class qualify for the Super Motocross events, the three at the end of the season. Um, you would imagine that if Eli Tomac on a Supercross only contract qualifies, um, uh, qualifies. If Eli Tomac on a Supercross only contract scores uh, three hundred and fifty points or something in Supercross, um, that will probably still qualify him for these events. But, but so this is where I don't understand because you, I feel like you've got to really understand American sports to understand this. But this is going to be like playoffs, which doesn't mean anything to me because I don't really I know that there's a thing in sports called playoffs, but I don't really understand it. And I yeah. believe that the riders will kind of like a NASCAR chase, which I do understand a little bit more. The riders will enter with points. So like if you qualify for the event first, then you have 22 points, second, 21 points. So like based on how you qualify through Supercross and Motocross, if you were then given an advantage, a slight advantage, entering the Super Motocross races. But what I'm interested in is, is you know, anybody who's on a Super, like, like Malcolm Stewart, Supercross-only contract, will he actually want to do this? Or is he like, nope, I'm just doing Supercross? Well, the money, well, the money, obviously, again, this isn't known, but um, there will be $10 million injected into the purse for Supercross, Motocross, and the Super Motocross um, Cup. So, like, Cup, it's not Cup, that's the youth stream thing, or the in-front thing now. I'm getting confused. But I, I, I did Google it. That's That was <laughs> called the SMX Riders Cup. So I didn't actually use the word Super Motocross, but obviously SMX, I guess, did stand for that. Yeah. Uh, also, weird that they called it the Riders Cup, because actually the whole thing was based around manufacturers. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So why would it be called the SMX Riders Cup? I don't know. Maybe somebody forgot to tell them. That whole thing, like I've said it before, I think I tweeted it. I'd love, I really want, and I don't think anyone would do it, but I really want to do like a proper in-depth talk to all of the, ma- like talk to the manufacturers, talk to in front, talk to everyone and figure out what we were trying to do, why it went so wrong and why it just disappeared. I mean, I guess yeah. points two and three are linked. It disappeared because it went so wrong. But like, why didn't we give it another go? Because p- plenty of things have. I mean, at, at its at its um, at its core, the concept was flawed. Talking about the 2016 SMX Riders Cup here, um, yeah, the concept was flawed. So maybe they decided that after it failing the first time, actually this concept is never going to work. Probably that. But still, I would. L- I really want to do a deep dive into what the hell happened there. But probably no one will ever want to talk about it because it's never been mentioned since. I don't think I've, I've ever. I enjoyed that event. Yeah, but you, you're odd. 
<laughs> what's being odd got to do with like that event the event was okay yeah, but like you were the only one there and like you weren't working so like you were just basically sat in a stadium a, by I was yourself time of my life exactly <laughs> you just stadium sat. to myself it was brilliant at front row racing i was watching to be fair, it was great it does make it does make I, I, like but this is what we've talked about it before and i don't want to go into that because i want to talk about the new thing but i still don't really understand why no one went because why wouldn't you go to watch dungy hurlings crowley was there i think yeah crowley no? yeah geyser and whoever else um wasn't barsha there no no i thought there's another american yeah there were a few wait hold on I'm, I'm now so then but if you go to the results it was so, so, so this is obviously i just found a press release from early in the 2016 season by the time the event happened it was called the smx riders and manufacturers cup right so it okay. did eventually maybe they overcomplicated it so if you go on maybe if you go on just called it smx not had any rules and just you know had it as the smx trophy so if you go on the, uh, the results or whatever for um the SMX Cup, there are no overall rankings. So it's struck struck from the record. We do not know who won the SMX Cup. I've got the individual race results. Hurlings won race three. Um, Fevra won race two. Literally no memory of that at all. <laughs> Fevra won race two from Marvin Muscan. Literally no, no memory of Marvin being there. So that's new. It was a French one too. Look at them go. Um, Tixier oh, yeah. was fourth. Who knew Tixier was there and did that well? Wow. Um, guys have won the so. first race. Jake Weimer, that was it. Jake Weimer was there. Oh, gee, I guess he would Jake have been Weimer. there. Was... Yeah. Dennis Ulrich was there. Go, Dennis. Sewer was, actually... was there. That's... Yeah. That is... I'm, this, is good, this is where I'm going to start, because he'll tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... No, that... I, I liked it anyway, so... What a random group of riders. It was very also, random. I'm trying to figure out, did every rider race every race, or did, was it like the Nations, where like the manufacturers split them up? I'm trying to figure it out, but obviously... Well, interesting thing here is Weimer and Siwa were um, actual teammates on Suzuki. Yes, and Jazakonis as well. Yeah. There we in, go. Uh, in the second moto, Siwa was 11th, Weimer was 12th, and Jazakonis was 13th. So Suzuki had 11th, 12th, and 13th, which is absolutely covered. Which, to be S honest, at that point, maybe it was at that point they went, maybe this isn't for us. Is that Suzuki or Suzuki? I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling today. Um, <laughs> okay. But unlike you, I won't walk out. Um, okay. Ooh. Uh, I, okay, I could do a whole podcast about that. I've got a lot of questions. Right, so my of... question... What, my question, so... What I want to find out over the next couple of weeks is what riders are interested in doing this because oh, but a lot no, of riders everyone. complain. Yeah, but I don't get it. I don't, I, this is what I don't get, right? So when I listen to other podcasts and stuff, like I listen to riders, they're all complaining that, it, you know, you do 20 rounds of Supercross, 10 rounds outdoors or whatever, and they're done. They're knackered. They're, they're, they're not half of them that, you know, burnt out by the time they go to the Motocross Nations. Now they've got to do, like, more races. Yeah, but money makes the monkey dance. Are you calling There's them 10 million, 10 million added. I shouldn't have said that. 10 million added to the purse. So um, that'll be spread out across Supercross, uh, Pro Motocross, and um, uh, Super Motocross. So that's not yet been confirmed how that will be split and what the actual purses will be for each series. But that's obviously going to incentivize 
more people to do those races and also is a response it's not a response because everyone swears that this was talked about long before world supercross came about and truth be told there is evidence that supports that like supercross and pro motocross sent out a survey um the middle of last year i think beginning of last year long but like not definitely not the end of last year it was more middle of last year uh, basically they sent out a fan survey and all the questions they sent out were saying to people um do you watch supercross and pro motocross like you know, all of the questions linked supercross and pro motocross together so clearly this was a um this yeah, was but a... Could it be seen both ways where basically it was like oh you know it might it might back that up but also it might not back that up how um well, like it might have been Feld saying, "Oh, do you watch motocross? Or maybe we should take over motocross." What? No, because Pro Motocross sent out the same survey. <laughs> um, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But um, so the most interesting, so, yeah, one, so, I think. Sorry, go on. So I was going to say, so, you, so what you're saying is this was before World Supercross was announced. Obviously, this is a bit of a blow to World Supercross if, if um, you know, for next year. I don't know if it is because I know it's two different products, but it's going to compromise some of the riders. I guess the riders going to have to choose between what series. I don't because surely yeah. if surely if riders are signed up to teams like this year, it's not going to affect it. But um, next year, surely it is because if if the dates are pretty similar or whatever, then those American riders aren't going to be able to participate. No, but. I guess the way I guess for the way it would become an issue is that um, if you did if you did Supercross, so, okay. So say you're Tomac, say you're Roxon, say Roxon wins the Supercross title next year and scores enough points to qualify himself for Super Motocross without racing the um, nationals. Then Super Motocross would clash with world supercross so at that point he would have to choose if he was doing world supercross already which i doubt he will be because he's told everyone he's doing supercross and motocross next year even though every single report and insight and rumor i've heard links him to a supercross only contract at hrc um um so that's where the question would raise but for some reason i don't see this question ever coming up because i think the super the world supercross um there's a lot of series and races suddenly to get correct the world supercross i still feel like their market and their niche is riders who are on their way out close to retiring riders and riders who are kind of on the bubble and need like need basically like a career revival or a, like a career jump start or whatever well, so they're going to yeah, go to an easier series or i guess longevity yeah like so, so like I, I still don't think that and i've never thought that World Supercross would be taking um, Webb, Ro okay, it's got Roxon, it's got Tomac, but only for one race for Tomac, and it's and Roxon's deal is only for this year at the moment. And truth be told, they are on the way out anyway. So I guess what I'd say is I never thought that World Supercross would potentially steal uh, Webb, Cincerello, Ferrandis, Plessinger, um, those kind of riders who are still in the middle of their careers, still fully all in with Supercross and Motocross. Because you've got to remember as well, the top, top riders are on factory teams and there are no factory teams in World Supercross. So technically, if you want to be on a team and earn the money and be treated like a factory rider, 
you're just automatically going to be um automatically going to be put into supercross and motocross like that's that's what happens when you're in the height of your career so when the riders begin to back it down a little bit then world supercross becomes a potential option but for someone like cincerello 100 cincerello has not even considered world supercross because why would he he's at the height of his career he's not burnt out and chasing a supercross championship and a pro motocross championship is still his priority and his goal yeah, Whereas agreed. Tomac at this point has done it all. Tomac has done pro motocross. He's won it. He's won supercross. So at this point, he's basically looking at it as I can either retire or I can make a lot of money and I can experience something that I haven't done before, which is uh, travel the world. And again, he's not doing it next year, but this is I'm more drawing why he chose to do it. Well, he's not even doing all of them. He's only doing one of them. But still, he has said that that is something he is now thinking about more. Um is no, that like career everything. experiences like things like for ticking off a bucket list i guess yeah but that's the sort of thing where um you can kind of see a muscle in 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 the you know in the future sort of once he's finished yeah because um, the american you dream can see him go, then go to world supercross you can see him doing it because in his heart he still believes he is a factory level rider in america but at his age and the fact that he's now winding it down him getting a factory contract is like uh, the odds are quite low. Obviously, he's got a new one for 2023, but I feel like that could have quite easily gone the other way. And then at that point, you start to look at alternatives. It's almost yeah. like saving face a little bit. Well, I don't want to be a privateer in AMA Supercross because last year I was a factory racer. So I'm just going to go and do this new series where there is no factory riders. And then I'm kind of still like the number one guy in this championship. Yeah, being a big fish. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I can see how that works. But... um yeah, going back to the the original thing, I just don't see when riders are kind of saying we want to do less races and that basically another championship comes out. I, I, that's what I... That's what yeah, I it's I, not I another championship. It's, it's If you say that everyone sure, did the Monster it's, Cup anyway, it's, it's only it's two an extra extension. events. Yeah, and actually, an so say, every, say a majority of riders did the Monster Cup anyway. So technically that's then it's only two extra events and say that Supercross and Pro Motocross both drop an event, then it's actually no extra races, but more money. And you know what? It's a change of pace as well, because it's something different. It's something new. And sometimes that's enough to get people interested and get like doing a 17th Supercross or a 12th Pro Motocross round. Maybe then at that point you are a bit like, oh, like run a uh, same old, same old, but introducing a Super Motocross thing. That's a new concept. How's this going to work? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's a bit like, well, we'll give that a go. I'll check that out. I'll see how that goes. Kind of like what I've said before is the incentive of World Supercross. Like there's intrigue around it. There's now intrigue around this as well. But yeah, I think what I will say is I think from from an from a failed and um, you know, pro motocross point of view, um, you know, this is an ex a new exciting product, a new add-on. You talk about, you know, how things haven't sort of changed up and we had the like the triple crown. Um that I, I really like that format and 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 this is just a, like another add-on to like you know keep the interest in 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 change it up a little bit uh, i like it i'm not i'm not a, a, against it or anything else i think it's a great idea the one thing i'm i you know just getting one point across is that um you know riders are saying less races and da, 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 da. but you're right maybe it is the money maybe the money will turn them into um say well okay i'll, I'll, I'll do three more races if i can earn some extra cash for the pension. Um, obviously, this is beneficial. This is one of the things that interests me both about it. So part of the reason they got so much more money for the purse is that 
by working together and pitching Supercross, Motocross, and Super Motocross as one entity, um, they got a lot more money for the TV package, which is why they were able to increase increase the purse so much. Um, see, that's interesting I, to me. For me, I see this as a perfect opportunity for, for the guys in Australia in front to start talking about how they can work together. For guys in Australia? Yeah, Adam Bailey, the guys behind the World Supercross. No, 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 no. The opposite. The opposite. Uh, Feld and MX Sports have spoken to In Front about this. In Front is talking to MX Sports and Feld. Although In Front isn't involved in this, In Front is very much in the circle of trust. Oh, okay. No, no, very I'm, much. I'm not... Like in like David has had direct. David Longo has had direct conversation with MX Sports and Feld about this concept, what they're going to do, and I believe. So obviously, normally we would have an MXGP calendar first week of July. It's now a month later, we have nothing. I believe this is what I think is happening. David knew this was coming. So obviously now this puts the motocross of nations at jeopardy because um, the American season is going to go longer. So then where does the motocross of nations slip in to fit, um, to make it so it still works for America, but it also works for Europe, blah, blah, blah. I think that... David has waited for the finer details to be ironed out for this because I think the 2023 MXGP calendar will include GPs in October and I think the nations will be late October. Really? That's basically, I don't know anything, but this makes sense in my mind because we know that in front do want the GP season to go longer. That is something that they, the idea of running events in October is attractive to them. That is not something they want to shy away from. And last year, okay, the Nations was run in the middle of the season because of COVID, but although it was that, it was also a nice little experiment to test what it was like having it in the middle of the GP season so that potentially, if it worked... Yeah, it was terrible, and they've learned that now, which is why I think the 2023 MXGP calendar is going to come out, and I believe there will be events in October, and the Nations will be middle to late October. That is what I would bet on right now. And I don't know anything, but it just makes too much sense because if in front, A, if in front continues to a traditional calendar and runs the nations on September the 25th or whatever, America won't go because they'll they'll be deep in super motocross. B, in front want to run the MXGP season longer anyway. The only reason they didn't is because they needed to make the nations fit for America. So now this is a perfect, this is like, a blessing in disguise for in front because now they can run their event as they've always their series as they've always wanted to and go sh- go longer whilst at the same time preserving the motocross of nations which obviously as we learned last year the motocross of nations has to be at the end of the season but will american riders still turn up to the nations because if it's if it is late october which is pure speculation again but i do believe i can see it trending this direction if a motocross of nations is the end of october then that means that that's two months away from Anaheim one. Yeah, but I still is- don't think that's a problem. I think I think uh, Americans are super patriotic to, to represent their country. I still feel they'll find three riders that will do whatever it takes to ride for their country. So I don't think that's a problem. But I can remember hearing somebody um, talk about that because of COVID, they had to start later um as well and that fitted in quite nicely because obviously the weather is a little bit you know not the greatest in in europe so being able to start maybe a little bit later in the season and finish later would would 
as well as like finishing later, I think they might start a little bit later as well. I don't think they'll start if they if they start later, it'll be like by one or two weeks. I don't think it'll be any yeah, longer like, than that. Yeah, I think it'll be like mid March, end of March. No, I was thinking more beginning of March. Because now we start middle of February, end of February. Yeah, which I would is say, way too early because the weather in, in Europe is shocking. Yeah, but you're forgetting that what they want to do and what we should be doing, but we haven't been able to because of COVID, is we should be starting overseas. Yeah, and that would make sense. Get get I that believe stuff that over the, and I, done with. My bet is that my bet right now would be the 2023 MXGP calendar. I would bet that on Starts the last weekend. In, no, I would bet the, la- uh, the last weekend in February, it will start with Oman. Okay. I don't know where it will go after that, but that again makes sense. And then I think it will end middle to late October in line with Super Motocross, and the nations will be at the end of both America and European seasons. Hmm. Okay, well done. Sherlock Holmes. That's what I think. That's what I expect to see. I really want this MXGP calendar because the longer it gets delayed, the more intrigued I am as to what's going on. I just want to see it for how much money we're going to spend next year. I'm going to um, I'm going to try and arrange an interview with David Luongo this weekend to talk about Super Motocross and talk about what he's heard from Failed, how this works with his vision, blah, blah, blah. Don't know if I'll be allowed to do the interview because obviously it's been an eventful year. Um, yeah, you'll be fine. I mean, you've You've upset everybody. Oh, I'm interested. I think that everybody's over it. I don't know. It's like waves. Yeah. Wave after wave. Fine. We'll just wait for somebody else to um, cause a stir. I'm still looking Literally at no one else. It's just me. 2016 SMX. Fascinating. Zach Osborne was riding as well. Yeah, I remember that. But also, I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell you who the other Husqvarna riders were. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me try. Uh, don't look at it, then I'll tell you. No, I'm not. I haven't got it up. Uh, let me think. Like, you're, not gonna get, you're, you're, you're not going to get one of them. One of them's too yeah. hard. Covington. Yeah, that's easy. And then Anstey didn't do it, but he was on a Husqvarna that year. Yeah, you're never uh, going to get this one. But I do remember that some right Dennis. Oh Ulrich. yeah, there's 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 another. Nope, not Ulrich. No, you're what incorrect. Kawasaki. Uh, Dennis was on KTM. Really. So KTM yep. had a team of Dungey, Marvin... Oh, they had five riders. I am so confused by the SMX. Me, me too. Like that. I'm, I'm beginning to, I'm beginning, <laughs> I'm beginning to realise why it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kawasaki had four, so... I was there. <laughs> I was there. And this Someone just forgot to tell Suzuki that they needed another rider. So, like... But, like, there's no overall results, so, like, it's impossible to know. But, like, so what's there, like... Hold on. Well, got... This is the crazy thing, right? There's four Honda riders. Um, there's four Kawasaki riders. There's five KTMs. So, KTM's gonna, you know, got a better chance than most. Husqvarna is only three. And the same with Suzuki. You, so, who who was the... Can you, can you think of the last um, Husqvarna rider? Um, I'll give you a clue. He's French. He's obviously not a GP rider. I feel like it's someone because mm. I know that I know that there were random people. Like I remember Philip Neujbaiwa was racing. I think I think last year he was still racing. Hold on, I'm pretty Charlie, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year he was still riding, wasn't he? I don't think he's raced this year, but I definitely think he raced last year in no, MXGP. What you about? No, I, I meant I meant I meant MXGP rider at the time. Oh, I'd, yeah, I think he was, though, wasn't he? So, the, 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 honestly, when did he SMX, get to Enduro? Uh, the end of 2017. 
Yeah, so he's no, still in MXGP. The, the, no, the end of 2016. The end of 2016. Because 2016, he was on a 24 Max Honda, I believe. But then why would he be on a Husqvarna at SMX Cup? I'm so confused. <laughs> Maybe I he was on a 24 Max Honda. But then what, what year did he ride for Ice One? No, he rode for Ice One in 2016. Because that 2016, it was Rockstar and it was Charlier and Nagel. Uh, I'm just looking at the new. Oh, hang on, that was the classifications. He didn't do cheap. He didn't do um, America. Hold on. I'm excited to reveal. I have found the overall results. Oh wow! Okay, go. First overall, Ryan Dungey with a two-three-two. Second overall, Jeffrey Hurlings with five-five-one. Third overall, Musquin with 623. But still, there's no manufacturer anywhere. Why? Why would they do? Why has it got to be wiped from the internet? What is going on? What's the. What's, why, why can't it just live on the internet? Why do we have to hide this? I found. Right. First. It's a dirty secret. Right. Here it's a foot. Right. First overall, KTM. Hurling's Dungy Musquin. Second overall, Honda. Geyser, Paul Ann, Bobrashev. KTM won it with 18 points. Second overall was Honda with 43. So it wasn't very competitive. Third overall, Kawasaki, Tixier, Sell, Brylyakov. Fourth, Kaskavana, Osborne, Charlier, Covington. Fifth, Yamaha, Fevra, Vandonic, Ursuti. So Yamaha really came in hot. Sixth, Suzuki, Weimar, Sewer, Jasakonis. Which begs the question, what the hell was Dennis Ulrich doing there? Because he's not on the, he, he isn't listed under Team KTM. Hang so on, why though. was he there? I, I know why he was there because it was in Germany. He's German. Yeah, I don't, yeah, but I don't think that qualifies you to just turn up and race. Obviously, there's I a kind SMX. Of, I kind of have a random feeling oh, that there no, was like no. a, he was because he was presented at the event. I can remember them sort of using him as like you know as the the, the German rider of the event. No. Yeah, I can remember it in the press conference. 100%. If you, so if you look at the overall results, not listed in the Manufacturer's Cup results are Ulrich on a KTM, Neujbauer on a Kawasaki, and Chervelin on a Honda. So why were they there? Did they just Was there like a best of the rest team? But then if there was a best of the rest team, then why aren't they listed in the results? This week, right, I'm going to text David Luongo right now, and I need answers. <laughs> Oh, he's going to be so interview. happy. To, this interview is going to be so happy to bring up that dirty little secret. This interview is just going to be me going, I don't under, but I don't understand. <laughs> and then he'll explain with like a 10 minute answer and I'll just be like, yes, but I just, I just don't understand. <laughs> make it make sense. <laughs> Not just for us, but for everyone. I don't think, like, the funny thing is though, I feel like, I don't think anyone actually remembers this happens. I might, I might say to, I might do this interview with David Longo, and I might start by going, "So the SMX," and just leave it there and see what his reaction is. Like, see if his reaction is the, the what? <laughs> the here's here's a name for you in 2016, Alexander Tonkov. What he was at the SMX Cup? No, he was in the championship then. Oh, okay, brilliant. That's you're now going too deep. Um, but anyway. I can't remember where we were before we went down that rabbit hole, but I'm glad we did because I've got, you got questions. You've, you've got questions. No, so, no, the, the reason why I was saying um, with the whole, but you've just answered that my question was, oh, maybe 
uh, World Supercross and MXGP could work together in a little way like that. So, um, but again, probably not because if uh, MXGP are looking to go a little bit later, then that's an issue. I um, World Supercross is definitely the outlier here. I know that MX Sports and in front and failed are still working very closely. Not okay, maybe not very closely together, but they're still communicating. They're still working together. They're still there's still like an open book there and a good relationship. Um, World Supercross is definitely the outlier, um, but it's going to be interesting. Obviously, um, I went to Cardiff Stadium last week. It was empty. Oh yeah. Did um, you manage to go on the roof or not? No. Health and safety. Health and safety. Love that one. So um. So what was it like? Tell us about it. Well, they speak a different language in Wales. Were the road, were the road signs um, playing havoc with you? That's bizarre, because it's like Arabic. <laughs> like, it's very different. Like it's, not like a, it's not like slightly different. It is just like a different language. I mean, I know it, it is a different language. It but... is a different language, yeah. It's not... Does, do people actually use it? Yes. Yes, they do. Because I spoke to everyone in English. Yeah, they were, they're, they're fine with that as well. Well, who do they think they are? Like, why do they need their own language? Uh, well, some people there there are some very traditional people in Wales that are very, you know, proud Welsh men and women, and and like their dialect in, in in language. Well, I'm sorry to everyone in Wales who can't understand this podcast because we don't speak your language, but there you go. They're just aliens. I don't, think, just they aliens. Um, I don't think they care. So tell us about the event. But no, went to. It wasn't really an event. It was Max Anstey in an empty stadium, and I was there. <laughs> Oh, you're really selling this one. No, I'm not, I don't have to sell it. It was a, it was just a media day. Um, it was what, just a so media day. So, so hang on, we're, we're really pushing this out. It was a, it was a fantastic media day. It was an empty stadium with Max. No, it was. It wasn't a media. Like they, he wasn't allowed to start his bike, but he was allowed to sit on it. So he didn't fly him down from like in a helicopter into the. Onto no, but it wasn't like a. It wasn't like a. It wasn't meant to be an extravagant thing. It was. More, it was just an opportunity to interview him and it, like. Get a photo of the video. No, but like in you could in Photoshop you could get a picture of the stadium and then you could just literally put Max there in Photoshop. It would have saved a lot of hassle. It was very it was a very productive day. Um he did lots of he did he phoned into the local radio station. So this is so this is interesting actually. So World Supercross are obviously going for it to some degree because like on that day, Max did interviews with the local radio station, blah blah blah, which doesn't happen obviously for MXGP or anything. Like you don't get that in Europe. Um, yeah. In America, in America, Supercross is talked about like on the local radio station and stuff. Maybe it's not actually like I don't know if the riders actually get in there. Well, actually, they do get on more. No, the riders get in America. The riders get on like morning news, blah blah blah, news channels, blah blah blah. But in Europe, that doesn't happen. So for Max to do an interview with a I don't know what radio station it was. It was probably like BBC Seventeen or something. Probably no one listens. Probably but, like BBC Cardiff. Probably that instead. But um. Yeah, still, that's a, so clearly World Supercross are going for this and really trying. Um, and then, yeah, well, I, I interviewed him. So well, uh, that was worth the uh, worth them coming all this way. Yeah. Um, I, he's, uh, I believe he's riding a two fifty at the Nations. Did you want to announce the, um, the the Nations team right now? My sources tell me. My sources tell me, and I have multiple sources. My multiple, multiple. sources. My multiple sources tell me that the team is going to be Tommy, Max on a 250, and Dean. And I have to say, my sources are quite good. So are you thinking um, Max The Watson and... wagon has just been disgraced this entire year. 
and absolutely disrespected and shit on. Abused. Um, Abused. So, he, so you basically saying that, well, not basically saying, you're not saying that, but they've obviously gone with saving money because Max and Dean are already there. From what I hear, Kawasaki wanted too much money to send Ben. Oh. From what I hear, I should I probably shouldn't save a number, but it was a considerable number. Oh. Like if I asked you to pay that money, you would not be able to. Oh wow. That much not money. To, yeah, well with your financial situation, they asked for twenty pounds. <laughs> You're such a prick. Um, Do you know why I've only got twenty quid? Because you fine. spend all the money. Or maybe if you showed up to more podcasts, we'd make you more money. You are a walking um, cash machine, Forby. Just constantly. Uh, um, yeah, that is my... My sources tell me that that will be the team. Once again, I'm not going to reveal my sources, but my sources are quite good. Um, I guess it could it could always change until it gets announced, but right now I believe that is the team. Um, going to be interesting to see Max on a 250. Obviously, he's racing if he's on a 250. Um, obviously, he's racing. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Obviously, um, <laughs> obviously, um, oh no. Don't obviously, worry. um, are you going to be getting some tickets to go to the GoFundMe? Because usually they have a, a massive piss up, don't they? I think that's already sold out. Is it? There we go. See, making money. Making money. Um, not enough to send Ben, though. Obviously, um, obviously, uh, Max hasn't raced a 250 since 2016 Motocross of Nations, which was a horrible day. Um, and he's going to race a 250 in World Supercross two weeks after the Nations, hence why he kind of put his hand up to do the Nations on a 250. But it's going to be interesting seeing him back on a 250 because I feel like a 250 in, a super, in Supercross is quite normal. Like... We're not so used to Max on a 450 in Supercross where seeing him, on, seeing him on a 250 would be strange. Whereas Max on a 250 outdoors seems strange because it's been a long time. Like, who, like feels weird, seems weird, doesn't seem right. So, um, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting weird. to see. But did you say that his team is a, a 250 team anyway? So they've, they've obviously got bikes and, and they're no. way more oh, yeah, Oh, yeah, they are. No, they are a 250 team anyway, but they're going to run yeah. 450s and 250s next year. Yeah, of course, but they've obviously got a lot more experience with the 250s. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't go that far. This year they ran 250s, but last year they ran a 450. Oh, okay. It was the Brayton was on the team last year. Remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's what I suspect the Nations team will be for GB, unless it changes. Not going to reveal my sources, but trust me, as far as sources go, they're quite good. Um. Yeah, uh, Norway was announced earlier. In Nor more nations uh, yeah. news, uh, Cornelius Tundel on a yeah. Fantic four fifty, Kevin Horgmo on his Kawasaki two fifty, and uh, Hacken Hacken Osterhagen. Oh, no, Osterhagen. Yes, on he's, his. He's um, the current one two five, isn't he? Is he one two five rider? I can't remember. Or is he he EMX two fifty. No, he's in, he's in EMX two fifty now. He, uh, he 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 was. I can't remember if he won one two fives last year or not, but he is um, in the open class on a two fifty two stroke, which is what he's racing at the moment in EMX two fifty anyway. Um, good team, people. People laugh when I say this, especially like people in America. But quietly, Norway is like making strides in motocross, and that team, that team could beat Team GB. Yeah, that's a strong team. 
like Tondal is an EMX two fifty rider at the moment. I think he's second in the championship. But he's he a is a big, big kid. Guy. He's like yeah. Fredrickson, huge. So him being on and a four fifty won't be any problem. He might even be better. Well, he's he he rode for a year with JWR on four fifty, didn't he? In the MXGP, he's done a year in the MXGP. Uh, he was in the MX Open. But he'll be fine. Point being, he'll be fine. I actually forgot that's the, uh, actually forgot that's the I, same rider. I believe you're incorrect. So uh, I'm going to do this. He might have done a couple of wildcard rounds, but he did yeah, that may, yeah. Okay, you sure about that? Because I'm just going to check because I'm pretty sure I've got you on this one. Uh, Tondal. Oh, he didn't actually score points, did he? In any of the races? Well, no, that's because he was in EMX Open. I'm pretty sure he was in. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in. Um, mm, nope, I will find it. <laughs> twenty twenty fifth in the EMX Open Championship, Cornelius Tundle on a JWR Honda. How about France Tundle France? I just literally have given you the fifth in the EMX Open Championship hmm. on a JWR Honda. Twenty twenty, hundred and thirty four points. Four points clear of Jimmy Clochet, another name that just vanished. Jimmy Clochet. There we go. Um, and let's just remind everyone that when Beta signed him, I was on this podcast saying that I don't under like. I feel like Beta just went into the paddock and went, "Who's here?" Well, yeah, that was the and I ended up Trentino? being proven right. Was and it Trentino Trentino where he won EMX Open? Yeah. Uh, and I was on this podcast going, "I feel like Beta literally just walked into the paddock and went, does anyone need a deal? Who's available?'" And picked the first guy they found. And as it turned out, I wasn't far off on that because it didn't go very well. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so Norway is Norway is good. Could beat Team GB, like it's that good. But also, it's only going to get better too because Hakan Fredriksson isn't on the team, and he would be on the team if he didn't get injured in Locket. He would yep. have made it stronger. So there are, and obviously uh, Tondal and uh, Osterhagen will only get better from here because they're still EMX riders, so they'll continue to get better in years to come. Norway will be on the nation's podium within five years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the days of Nordic domination, not domination because domination compared to like Belgium. <laughs> Tell me more about your Nordic domination. <laughs> I don't understand. But um that is yeah, when that did, is that is coming. When did Nordic domination happen previously? I don't un- I literally don't even understand what you're trying to joke about. But anyway, um you know what? Actually no, yeah. I won't do that. Uh let's go to an ad. You were gonna talk about kit then, weren't you? And then you realised that we got Liat coming up. No, I was gonna do the Planet Motor Bombshell of the week, but then I thought, ah, let's find something else. Okay. Um, okay. Right, before we go to ad. Before we go to an ad break, uh, let me remind you that a company has redefined expectations in safety and performance. That would be Fly Racing with their Formula Helmet, I'll have you know. (laughs) Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rion technology, conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's advanced impact system, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the formula helmet has changed the game. Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. We'll be back in two minutes with more talking points, so we'll see you then. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. 
Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, LIAC continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free LIAC bulletproof velocity goggles, LIAC has you covered. Shop LIAC's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. Brox Racing Parts supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the high-level requirements that all motocross riders require. Many of Prox's parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Evenstrokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at Evenstrokes.com. Liat, protecting riders from head to toe. Check out liat.com for more. Fly Racing has redefined expectations in safety and performance with the Formula Helmet. Tested on the most advanced equipment in the world, the Formula Helmet's overall performance is best in class in both high-velocity crashes as well as rotational and low-speed impacts. Featuring Rayon technology, Conehead EPS, and a 12K carbon shell, the Formula's Advanced Impact System, AIS, introduced a new approach to both protection and weight reduction. Weighing only 1,290 grams, we believe the formula to be the perfect combination of industry-leading innovation and ultra-lightweight design. Simply put, the Formula Helmet has changed the game. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 105 of the MX Vice Show podcast. This is part two, and part two is presented by Scott Sports. And we have a new uh, Scott product spotlight this week. Uh, you'll notice this being run on MX Vice all month. It's a bit of an August campaign, you could say. So if you're interested in what I'm about to say, you will learn more by paying attention to every MX Vice channel, whether that's TikTok, Instagram. Yes, TikTok. Big on TikTok. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that old thing. Um, the website, whatever else. Anyway, the Sufcon air protection range from Scott sets new standards in upper body protection and offers riders a revolutionary solution to staying protected whilst riding. Constructed using exclusive D30 protection plates, the Scott protectors are low profile, soft and flexible to give you maximum comfort while riding. In the event of a crash, the D30 plates instantly go hard on impact, giving you the protection you need when it counts. <laughs> the Softcon Air range also provides greatly increased airflow to the body. The breathable protection plates, combined with strategically placed anti-moisture panels, mean this body armor works hard to keep you cool and dry when the action heats up. All Scott upper body protectors are fully CE certified, level one or level two. Protect what matters with Scott Sports. Scott-Sports.com for more on everything Scott related, because obviously they're not just Google company. They do absolutely everything. There's not just Grips. Scott Motorsports, there's Scott Sports, because outside of motocross, they do so much more as well. Scott Sports. Scott-sports.com. Scott Sports. Scott Grips. And of course, grips. thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Props Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Right. So, um, I've just realized last week when you walked out on the podcast, yeah, yes, I was very yeah. annoyed. Oh, why? 
because a lot happened last week. Yeah. And I felt we needed to talk about it. And I've just remembered, Vial was announced as going to America. Adamo was announced at KTM. Everts was announced at KTM. Nice. Yeah, we did. That's what we talked about. Before you stormed out. I don't think I can be entirely to blame. You literally walked out of the podcast after 35 minutes. I'm not going to get those 35 minutes back. Well, I don't mind putting those 35 minutes online, but I don't think it's going to put you in a very good, you know, very good light. I was very nasty. good. I, no, that you was the best podcast we had. you were aggressive. Do you want to improve, James, or do you want to stay at the same <laughs> shit level and be modicoddled or whatever they say? Um, I'm I'm very happy with my level. Yeah, you're at I'm, about I'm, a C or a C or a D grade. That's fine with me. That sounds that sounds average. Yeah, I'm trying to get you to an A star. Oh, that's. Uh, l- let me stop you there. That's imagine where you're going if wrong. when when Drago wanted to fight Rocky. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Rocky instead of going to Norway or wherever wherever he did to train in the snow. Yep. And like fight bears and stuff and lift. Yep. Tree yep. trunks and punch meat. Yeah. Imagine if he went. Nah, I'm quite happy with how things are going. That yeah, would have been a shit only, movie. Yeah. Not only am I quite happy with how things are going, I'm gonna eat a donut. Okay, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm just saying. Imagine that would have been a shit movie if, like, ten minutes in, Rocky went. Nah, you know what? I'm all right. I got this. Yeah. That's so, me. So bear that in mind. Um, yeah. Right. So uh, let's unpack this. Um, uh, what is what are we unpacking? Let's start here. So I interviewed Dirk Grubel after Lommel. Obviously, it was a week and a half ago now. I'm sure all of you listened to that post-race podcast presented by Fly Racing, actually. Of course. Um, but to some... Actually, you didn't. But to summarize, um, also, the Dutch Nations team's been announced. You really dropped the ball last week. I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway. Sorry, everyone. Um, so everyone thinks that Vial's going to America because he doesn't want to ride a two fifty, uh, he doesn't want to ride a four fifty in Europe. I have said, I think, on this podcast all along, when the rumors have come up, that um, that no, 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 he wanted to be on a four fifty this year. The reason he's still on a two fifty is because KTM kind of pushed him in that direction. He was trying to get on a four fifty this year, so he's quite happy to race a four fifty. Like he is keen and raring to go. That isn't the reason he's going to America. Um, Dirk said he thinks it's just the French thing where it's kind of the French thing to do, isn't it? Go to America. And he yep. even said, ran- this was a random one. He said that Eric Sorby has been around the pits a lot lately and he thinks that's had some influence. Ooh. Which is very random because like, of all things you think like... That's a really random thing to say. Um, so, But basically another it thing- sounds like his head was turned. Maybe, yeah. But another thing, just to... um. Because this interview, actually, very good journalistic skills by myself, I must say, because I really got to the bottom of a lot of things. Um, what? Could your head get any bigger? No, I just you're not going to say it. I'm trying to I'm trying to basically clickbait you into wanting to listen to my podcast still. Oh, okay. anyway, so I said to him, I'm confused because I heard from Gertz's agent that KTM were after Gertz hard. And I heard that Yamaha were after him hard, and then KTM would go in harder, and then Yamaha went in even harder, and it was a real battle to the death real. between KTM. Real. Yeah. Um, but then I also interviewed Liam Everts in Lommel, and I said to Liam Everts, when was your contract start, like agreed on? When did you know you were going to be a factory rider? And he said Tushintol. But it was Tushintol where 
the Gertz rumors started. So I, I said to I said to Dirk, I was like, so you signed Adamo in March, you signed Everts in Tushintal. So I and I do be, I was like, I know these Gertz things happen because the source is quite good, and I do believe this was a very real thing. I was like, how does that work? Because you were already full. So why were you chasing Gertz? And he kind of played it down as if he wasn't really chasing Gertz as hard as maybe people thought. More like seeing what was out there, you could say. Which le- which actually does match up because I heard from someone that Gertz had to go back to Yamaha with his tail between his legs a little bit. So Ooh. I wonder if maybe Gertz read into this KTM chase a little more than maybe was real. Um, maybe believe the hype a little bit. So the Gertz thing, which was a very real thing, I do believe, I do believe that there were conversations, and Dirk did say there were conversations between Gertz and KTM. He didn't say like we would never even we never even considered it. He did say like there was something there, but he also said we talked to a lot of people. Um I don't know what where I was going with that. Um Well, no, you say but, that he kind of you you said that he might have gone back to Yamaha, you know, kind of with uh I thought that was gonna come off, but maybe it's not, and now I'm here. Hi. Yeah, but um, but um, yeah, just curious. But then I do think I heard rumors. See, like it's all been quite going on because I heard rumors that there was talks, and I did. This wasn't a very good source, but there, this was going around the paddock. But there was talks of um, Lagenfelder going being moved to KTM and Adamo then being moved to Gas Gas. Well, the other thing which you've kind of got, a f- and this is just me just thinking which is probably wrong because you're going to say no there's nothing to do with it but Gertz and VR are going for it in the world title aren't they yes so what better time to maybe play a few mind games than to um hey why don't we talk about 23 maybe a fan said this on twitter but that's just no i mean it's, it's interesting distraction. it's a great distraction it's a- it's an interesting thing to think about, but um, no. Also, what's the, also um, Dirk also, I said to Dirk, like, uh, Lockett and Lommel, uh, Vial's not looked himself at, at all, and mentally, I feel like he's not there. And Dirk said, well, so the, it was announced that Vial was going to America on Saturday in Lommel. The contract was only signed on that day. So up until that day, it was up in the air. And... He said that it did play on it was playing on his mind quite a bit. Like in the break between Indonesia and Lockett, they built a US spec bike and he tested it because he wanted to see what the what the US spec bike was like compared to GPs, whether he liked it still, whether it maybe put him off, blah, blah, blah. So like there was a lot going on behind the scenes, whilst he's also in a very tight title fight. Um so there's a lot of been a lot of moving parts at KTM. But back to what I was saying about Lagenfelder, the rumors about Lagenfelder being moved to KTM, out of not Husqvarna's pretty set because Kai and Rowan are both under contract for next year. But but and also I guess Lagenfeld is under contract, but still, of all the things, you've got to think Lagenfelder is kind of the golden goose in KTM in the KTM group at the moment, MX2 wise. Um and K- Red Bull KTM are used to winning. So moving him to KTM and then Adamo to Gas Gas, where we could have learned in an Italian environment, maybe would have made sense. But then I heard that Gas that Dakali didn't want to let um, Lagenfelder go because, as I say, he's a bit of a golden goose at the moment. Like he has got potential and he is going to go far. Um, so that was another thing that was going around the paddock. Like maybe that was on the table. But now we know uh, MX2 wise, Red Bull KTM, Andrea Adamo, Liam Everts, Gas Gas, MX2, Simon Lagenfelder, Husqvarna, Rowan van der Moestijk, and 
Kyder Wolf. What, MXGP, um, Red Bull KTM, Hurlings, Gas Gas, Mattia, and Prado. And then I don't believe there will be a Husqvarna 450 on track next year. Oh. Wow. But who knows? Well, um, there will be. There will be, obviously, but I mean in like a factory. Factory, yeah. Manner. So interesting that I've been on this podcast show, you know, bigging up Adamo for a long, long time. And the deal was done on, in March. So I'm thinking that maybe KTM have been listening to this podcast and have gone with me on the whole Adamo thing. There has been people, like, the common, like, they signed him basically after the Mantova podium. So, um, or maybe it was on that weekend. It was definitely, it was around the Mantova podium. Obviously, since then, he's not been the same. But he does have a factory engine now. He has already been training with Joel Smets. So, like, he's already being integrated into Red Bull KTM. Like a soft launch, you could say. Um, he has been ill. So, you can't really judge him that much on his results. Do you have a cold? Uh, you know, like a um, virusy Epstein Barr type thing. Um, it's going around a lot, that thing, isn't it? Um, but still, for Red Bull KTM, that is not the powerhouse MX2 team we've come to expect. Two things. Dirk did admit that next year will be a development year. Three things, actually. So Dirk did admit that next year will be a development year. Two. Um, I've forgotten what two is. <laughs> well, interesting, you've said on previous podcast shows that we are lacking that that those, those rotors coming up with the X Factor. Oh, no, two. Um, obviously, um, rest in peace, but Rene Hoffer was going to be Fial's succession plan. So at this point, he would have another year under his belt and he would then, he would now, you would think in 2023, would be, be ready to battle for, for the title. It. Yeah. yeah. So he would, he would be the alpha in the MX2 class for Red Bull KTM. Very sad what happened and he's a real loss to the community in MXGP and the racing. But obviously that, that through KTM's uh, works, a spanner in the works a little bit. Three, we're all expecting Adamo and Everts to not do much next year. But why? Fial, because I don't think it, there's not that much excitement. And even Dirk said it's going to be a development year for us. Yeah, but, that's just playing it down. But Vial was a nobody. And he was on the podium in his second Red Bull KTM race and then finished <laughs> yeah. fourth in a championship. And, and when he like something like ninth in the um, EMX 250 championship the year before. Yeah. So if you look at that relatively, then. Um, Adamo and Everts should make an even bigger step. Adamo and Everts on his factory bikes are going to fly, and especially with the winter program um, and preseason. Like, forget it; Th those they're going to be contenders. And it wouldn't surprise me if you see um, Adamo get race wins next year, and you see Everts take a podium. What this year? No, next year. Oh, Everts is of Everts will probably get a podium this year. There we go then. Everts is, on the, Everts is on the verge of a... I would say that right now... Develop my, development my ass. That's just playing it down. They're, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Planet Moto bombshell of a week time. Oh. What you oh, got then? This, this, is earlier you got? Than, this is earlier than normal, so I've not got it on my little... Um, I've not got it on my page at the moment. Um, escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better thanks to the guys at Planet Motor Holidays. Dates for the upcoming 2022-2023 winter are now available as are different packages depending on your needs. The Planet Motor Academy, holidays, whatever it is that you want, 
you can get it at planetmoto.co or search Planet Motor Hol- Holidays on Facebook and Instagram. And then you can ride tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible. Planetmoto.co or Planet Motor Holidays on Facebook and Instagram. My Planet Motor bombshell. Liam Everts is a more attractive signing than Andrea Adamo now. Uh, where are you getting that from? That's my feeling. I feel that Liam Everts. I feel that next year Liam Everts will outperform Andrea Adamo. Really? Yes. I, I can't argue with that. I, I, I have liked what I've seen from Adamo. That his progression over the last couple of years has been so so good. From that kid on the EMX one fifty Honda, like from where he was to where he is now, is is crazy. But I think. I still can't believe how young Liam, Liam Everts is. So the fact that he's just, he's been there, but he's not been setting the world to light, is he? It's not like he's been like a, a lap in front of everybody because he's an Everts. He, he's, a lap he's, in, he's, you want him to be a lap in front of everybody. Yeah. So, um, but that, you know, I'm exaggerating. That's the, you know, the, you know, that's the behind the Everts name, you know, you, you, you expect greatness. I don't think but, it is. Well, I don't know. But, um, what I'm trying to say is he's I, I think his path has been so good. Like they've they've chosen the right steps. And um I, you know, I think it goes it says a lot, doesn't it, about like how he's pr- progressed in um from like the ages of say eleven, twelve to where he is now. I think the the path has been very, very good. Because it's not like he's been thrust into uh, like it's in, he's only come into MX2 really now, hasn't he? Who? Everts. Yeah, it's not been around long. Yeah, so that's so what I mean. Progression his progression from one two five to two fifty to to so on. Like it wasn't that long ago. He was on an eighty five. His progress, his progression from round one to round fourteen this year is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve year after year. There are some big things coming from Liat in the coming weeks. And if you paid close attention to um, the MXGP of Flanders, you would have seen Kevin Horgmo, Jed Beaton, and Camden McClellan using a little sneak peek of what's to come from Liat in the future. And I must say, it was really something quite special. I'm excited to share that in the coming weeks. Stay tuned again to this podcast, MX Vice's different platforms, because there's definitely a lot to come there. And yeah, liat.com, if you want an alternative way of staying in touch with everything going on at Liat, because like I say, big things on the way, and we will drop them as soon as we can. Not literally, obviously, drop the news. Yeah, ask twice anything. These are the questions from last week because, as I've mentioned once or twice, James walked out on the podcast, which means that we were unable to get to these questions. But luckily, now we can because so far, so good. He's still here. Right. Prick. Just trying to make the people aware of why their questions didn't get answered. Steez underscore media or Cal Crossland 26. Do the variety of languages slash cultures in MXGP create barriers compared to with AMA? Yes. You? 100%, yeah. Like, I, even I think down that's to, like... The... Sorry, you go. Even, like, I've said this a lot. Like, in America, all of the news, all of the rumours, all of the things come from gear guys, goggle guys, because everyone speaks the same language. So, like, you get news from everywhere. Whereas, there are a lot of mechanics in the pits that don't speak English. There are there are teams, like, um, Claudio Di Carli does not really speak English. 
Like there are there is a lot of doors that are closed in MXGP where you can't really get information from. Whereas in America, they're all wide open because it's all we are one. Um, so that leads to and like there's definitely I say it to everyone in the paddock. There's definitely like an Italian contingent, and if you're you're either in the Italian contingent or you're not. Like, um, and it comes down to everything like brand sponsorship, everything. So like it is. Obviously, a lot of people do speak English. Um, a lot of countries speak English, and most, at all, a lot of the riders, I'd say, ninety nine percent of the riders do speak really good English. So, with the riders, not so much, but with the industry, yes, quite a lot. Um, I can't think uh, right now. I'm trying to think of a rider who struggles with English, but actually, I can't. I feel like everyone's quite good now. Most of most guys, I don't even. I forget. I'm even speaking to someone who doesn't speak English as a first language. Well, they've been forced to. If you if you go back to, I did the interview still makes me laugh. But the one what you done with uh, Andrea Adamo in Tushintau, and he only knew one line of English because no, the he was funny he was reciting it over and over again. Those days are gone. They, they know the importance now. Writers know the importance of being able to communicate in English because of platforms, social media, and fans. Yeah, but like, yeah, but like, even like, sometimes you have guys that obviously speak English better than others. Like, some people have broken English. Some people, but like, everyone, I feel like is pretty. Like, I can talk to most. Okay, maybe sometimes people don't understand my sarcastic jokes, um, but as far as having an English conversation, I feel like you can talk to literally everyone and. It's not that much of an issue rider-wise. Industry-wise, it can be a problem. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. But it's not a pro- Like, is it a problem or is it a nice, unique quality of being in a world championship? You decide. Um, uh, Blake Maitland, when was the last time that MXGP had three or more first-time winners in one season? That is a good question. Mm. Obviously, this year we've had Bogus. Vlandering and is that it? I think that's it. I think just Bogus and Vlandering as first time winners. But um I'm trying to think of a time. Obviously you'd have to look at a season where we had rookies, because that would kind of be the most obvious um year. So like obviously the year Geyser came into MXGP, he was one. But I don't think there was any others that year. Twenty fifteen Fevra was one, but I don't think there was any others that year. Do you think we'll see any more first time winners this year? Um, uh, I'm gonna have to pull up the results quickly just to give me some. We've obviously had Bogus inspiration. I mean, the ones which are you Jonas. Know... Yeah, well, that's an easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, you can. Yeah, first time winning in MXGP, so it is a first time winner. Yeah. Vlandrian won in MX2, and we still called him a first time winner. So yeah, first time winner, Jonas. Um, I think that's it. I think that's the only one that's on the cards, to be honest. Um, I'd love to say the Watson wagon, but we're on to 2023. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Van Donick's putting some some good rides. Okay, but... that's okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he had a third, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. But I mean, that's that's an outside bet. Well, what about quite a good uh, an, out, an outside bet? That's a fucking bet on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> what about Guadagini? <laughs> I would. I've said it before. I would have thought that by now he would be more in the podium mix. He kind of came in at a really good level and has kind of stayed at that really good level. Whereas he came in at such a good level that I thought that from there he would build to an even greater level. 
Whereas he's kind of just stayed at the same really good level. Like he's doing great. It's completely fine. But I just saw the, I thought there'd be more improvement by this point. But that's just because he came in at such a great level. Um, yeah, well, I, can, I can't I think believe you just... The, yeah, but the way, the way that this is described the level he's come in is that he's 18th in the points already in behind um, Beaton and Van Donnick in, in the points. So... Oh, Van Donnick's an outside shot to win, according to you. There we go. So there we go. If we're talking about the fucking moon. Um, at Lars Basso. What about Evans? Is Evans won a GP yet? No. Evans so Jonas, will get on the Jonas podium. Evans. Evans will get on the podium before the end of the season. I do believe. Okay. Um, Lars Basso. Do you think this era in MXGP is ending with one great rider retiring after the, retiring after the other? Um, yeah, for sure. I don't know if you'd call it an error. Like the Caroli era obviously ended. Um, but to be honest, obviously when Hurlings retires, that'll be the end of an era. Um, I don't really feel like we've had a Fevra era. Um, but obviously that is a group of guys who have been together for a very long time. So we are going through a generational shift. But um yeah, I don't think there will be any noteworthy retirements this year. But next year, I think there'll be a few. Yeah, um, I, can, who knows I, if can, I can see a few next year. Koldenoff, uh, he's got a contract for next year. But beyond that, will he continue? Who knows? Uh, Fevra, he's got a contract for next year. But beyond that, will he continue? Who knows? Hurlings has a contract for next year. Beyond that, I, I would bet the Hurlings will continue now. But three years ago, when he signed that contract, there was definitely talk of this being it for him. So... Um, yeah, like we are those riders, we are going to lose those riders in the next one to two, maybe three at a push years. So that's going to happen. Um, it's just the way it goes. But obviously, Caroli was a big one, and DeSalle was a big one, and Paul Ann was a big one. Um, although Fevres won a title and Paul Ann and DeSalle never did, I feel like losing Paul Ann and DeSalle was more like the end of an era than losing Fevres will be because we had the Caroli, DeSalle, Paul Ann era for so long where it basically those three riders were on the podium more often than not. And they were basically like together for so long that those three kind of came as a package. Whereas Fever has just kind of been bashing about by himself. Here's a, here's a question for you. Did you think that um, in 2022, David Phillips and, and Tannel Leoc would score points in MXGP? No. And I'm not sure I like the fact that they have, to be honest. No, this it's interesting that they they you know the ages that they are they still can come in and get points in MXGP. Yeah, and I don't think they should be able to. Makes me a bit of sad. Um, Mark Davis three one nine nine. Which British riders in MXGP and MX two will be in GPs next year? Um, ben will be in GPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all I've got for you. <laughs> I, I'm going to throw one out there. It, um, I think we might see a couple of um, upcoming riders. Um, we were going to say in development years, but I, th- I think there'd be a couple of British riders which aren't their usual names. But I think they might sort of step up and go like do the odd races, not not a full season. But um, I can definitely see someone like um, let's think MX Two. Do you think we're going to see more of people like um, Bobby Bruce Bobby and Joel Bru- Rizzi? Bobby in MX2? Bruce is doing. 
Oh, Joel Rizzi will be around. Joel Rizzi actually did really well at Lommel as well, actually. Did and very I know well that, at Lommel. That Riley racing team really believe in him as well. They think that they they think that he can be great. So I think they'll stick with him for next year. Um, Bobby Bruce is doing MX2 in Sweden, and I would presume lining himself up to try and do MX2 next year. Um, whether Conrad Muse will get an MXGP ride remains to be seen. Without being harsh, I would say he probably needs to do more than he's doing right now. Um Will Sterry get back into MXGP? Potentially, although I don't imagine it will happen, but I think there could potentially be an opportunity there. Maybe not the most glamorous opportunity, but an opportunity nonetheless. Yep, um, take any opportunity you can. But yeah, apart from that, it's definitely dwind- the numbers are dwindling, uh, British-wise, but that's just at the end, like the era thing we just had. We we had an era of Simpson, Searle, Anstey, um, Nichols. Watson. Uh, he's kind of in this new era, but you know we had yeah, an era of those guys. In, who are... he, but yeah, he was still in the he was in the MX2 era then, wasn't he? Yeah, actually, but well, again, I'm saying year. like Cell, Anstey, Simpson, Nichols kind of came through together. Like yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, R Davis two eight four Oman was not shown on the calendar on MXGP TV. Anything official as to why? Yeah, it's cancelled. Uh, do we Chris do we have Stats? any reason why? Like it was, it was too canceled? hot. Okay. Hot. That's what I got told. <laughs> okay. Just because I think hot. they were going to try. I think they were considering running it at night, like Qatar, but I don't think they were certain they could do that. And then they decided that I think, well, from what I heard, that riding in the t- riding in the day was too hot. So um, there we go. Chris Stapps. Hold on. Uh, there's a lot of we open a lot of can of worms on this podcast, and we go down a lot of rabbit holes. But I enjoy that. It keeps me entertained. I, Omar, I, I like rabbit holes. Yeah. Oman weather. Um, let's see here. It's only 33 at the moment. Maybe that well, was just a stupid rumour. Well, that's, that's as hot yeah. as it's been at a lot of GPs this year. Yeah, that's what I was kind of laughing at. But then at the, because... hu- the humidity is um like 75%. I think yeah. maybe that was a I stupid that... rumour. That's what I got yeah, told. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Because, yeah, I can't believe that they're, they've cancelled a whole GP because it's hot. They, they would have known it was going to be hot when they actually put the GP in the first place. Um, so, um, A Ford 238. Where's Matisse Boromagon? Uh, he's on the side of a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> he, no. He's hanging out with Brian Sue. I think Brian Sue is more of a name than Matisse Boromay now. But this, kids, this is a lesson to you. Just being, just riding a bike isn't good enough. You need to kind of keep your name a little bit relevant because right now I can almost guarantee that Matisse Boromay is not on the radar of any teams in MXGP because everyone's forgotten he exists. It is literally that he's just disappeared off this planet. And and it wasn't that long ago, like six months, he was basically going to be riding for Red Bull KTM. I um, look, Him riding for Red Bull KTM may go down as one of the strangest things that happened in 2022. Or the past decade. He's not a bad rider, but it just feels strange to say that, oh yeah, Boromay was on a Boromay was on a Red Bull KTM at some point this year. Strange to say. Um, he, he is a victim of the under-23 rule though, isn't he? No, not really. He Ooh. is. He is. No because, no, because, okay, he was a late bloomer, but yeah, that, exactly. Like, I think if he was in MX2 now, he would be a contender. Yeah, but he had his shot. He was on a good team. It's not like he, he had his shot. He was on I'm a good team in MX2. He wasn't. I'm just saying he's a victim of that rule. 
what I want to know is he obviously signed for that, like, whatever it was called, like, Sibo Boss Kawasaki or something. Yeah, but that was literally a privateer effort, wasn't it? it was basically, yeah, but they, they were meant to, to be doing GP. GPs. Yeah. And so then, why isn't... Well, I don't know why. Is he still injured? We don't know. No, but, like, did did him going to Red Bull KTM kind of burn that relationship? Like, I don't know why that's not come back. Well, because maybe he's not ready to come back. He broke his collarbone, I think. And it was four months ago. Five months ago. Maybe it's a bad break. Um, well, obviously, MX the, obviously the team's still not there then because they would be... He'd be riding. MX Woody 18. Why is Gertz picked 450 for the Nations if he's meant to be racing MX2 next season? Um, honestly, I don't know. I, I When I got the news about the Belgian Nations team, I was shocked because I genuinely thought it would be um, Van Horbick, Gertz on a 250, and then Van Donick on, a, on the other 450. I definitely didn't expect Gertz on a 450. Um, I, I'm sure he wants to give it a go. He will what, be in MXGP soon enough. Um, but it's what, strange. What would, your, what would your strongest team be? If you were, if you were is, a Belgium team manager, who would you pick? I, I didn't think about it, but this is, this is the strongest team, I'd say. Actually, I don't know because Van Donick probably is Gertz really going to do that much better than Van Donick on a 450? Probably mm. not. No, I don't think so. Maybe a little bit better, but I don't think light years ahead. But I do no. think this is their strongest team, but maybe not by much. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, true. But, he would he would definitely Everts, be in MX2 next year. Everts over Gertz MX2. Obviously, for team Belgium. obviously no, but obviously not. If that was there, but obviously this is a team race. One on one shootout, no. But if you could you make use of Gertz elsewhere, then yes, it probably makes sense to bring Everts into the team. It probably makes it makes sense to put Gertz on a four fifty so that you can bring Everts into the team. Well, if if we're talking about kind of we've gone through um, you know, different eras with Cyril Simpson, Belgium are going through a similar thing as well. Yep. Everyone's been talking about this for years. You're late to the party. Belgium's Belgium's been uh, this has been this has been an ongoing thing. Of um, They're actually very lucky that Gertz and Everts have kind of... Well, to be fair, they've got the Conan brothers as well, so it has picked back up, but for a while there, it was... Um, Sketchy. Scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never going to say racing. that about France, how are you? SWAT racing. Lommel's yep. amazing. Riola was great too. Do you think the season would benefit from another sand race? Um, I Well, this is something we discussed on the last podcast before James stormed out. I, I, think I think we need more sand. I think we should have two Lommels. I think yeah, we should have Lommel 1 Lommels. and Lommel 2. I like that idea. No, I like that idea. Not back to back. Oh, yeah, one sorry. Mar- you said one in March, one, yeah. One later on. Well, because you, okay, was- you can ride Lommel in, in, in the wet, so. Yep, thanks, Jeeves. Um, well, it's good that you like that idea. Clearly, that wasn't the thing that made you storm out. So we'll continue no, like to investigate. Yeah, no, to it was just what the you being a- was. No, it was just you being a bellend. So, um, James bellend. underscore Nank. A lot of new names this week. A lot of new names last week. Unfortunately, they had to wait a week. But James Nank. Uh, what are the separating factors between Gertz and VR right now? Start, speed, etc. Um, it's strange to say, and I think I said it last time. Strange to say, but consistency is somehow Gertz's greatest strength now. And I don't really know how that's happened. Something like in an alternative that, universe. Yeah, that's something that we'd never thought we'd say. 
But um, aside from his fifth in Indonesia, which to be fair, he was lucky to get fifth because there weren't that many riders. If it was, if that happened in Europe, he probably would have been more like eleventh. Um, but if you go back from Erne on, two 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 five three one two one, like that's solid as a rock. Um, and to be fair, take out his ninth from Spain, and then since Latvia, one 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 two one two nine two. Two 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 five three one two one. Like consistency is his greatest strength. Okay, Viao had a bike problem, which obviously hurt him. But he, the last two GPs, he's gone ten two seven four, and that's that's not Viao. That's why I said to Dirk, like, this isn't Viao. I don't feel like he's mentally with it. Um, the question is, will Viao now get better, having his future secure? Well, it's it's like they've swapped bodies. <laughs> it's like. Because Viao was the consistent guy over the last couple of years. Yeah, but I can't figure out what where Viao's inconsistency is coming from. This is what I mean. I feel like it must be that the America thing was wearing wearing on his mind. I think so. I think that the mental game is 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 everything. And if you're not fully focused, or you know, there's something you're not happy with, or whatever, it it does play a part. I mean, we've heard for ye- like I've heard for three years in and around when I've been at GPs is is constantly that you know Gertz to KTM and if, if that has that been playing on his mind the last few years who knows but these little things do have a tendency of 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 distractions not being fully focused and interestingly um, when, when uh, you're saying that a lot of new um people messaging um uh, Bradley Myers has said to me you're definitely going to have to bring Lewis down on his Bra- on his Prado hype so people are very. I don't. It's not me on the Prado hype. It's you on the Prado hype. I think I've said for a while now that he's not. I I I do believe that he is. He can be great, but he's definitely not been himself this year. Should we ask? Well, this, should we end on this question? Uh, yeah, go on then. Because this had thirteen likes on Twitter. Oof. James. Yes. How do you feel about Lewis doing the Racer X podcast before you report before you record this one? Is he blowing his load with his side piece and leaving his wife dissatisfied? Absolutely. It's a disgrace. The thing is, he's more excited about doing a Racer X podcast than he is anything else. Well, to be honest with you, at least I know those ones are, are going to go out. I don't sit there going, I wonder if this is going to be binned in a oh, minute. Oh, it's just you and your friend, Adam. <laughs> Have you listened to one? Look. I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Have you listened to one? Uh, no. Funny enough, I haven't. Can't can't face it. Uh, it'd be like a the sound of me doing a podcast with the sound of me doing a podcast with someone else. You just wouldn't be able to take it, would you? It would you're, pra- you're mentally... practically like if this was a relationship, you're practically cheating on me. Well, that's literally what the question said. The question yeah, said you are cheating on me. It's like how do you, you know, feel? You are a married person with a girlfriend. You like you want to, you want your cake and eat it, don't you, Lewis? How how would you how um what was I going to say? How do you feel about it? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. We can, we, because we can get this out. We can get this out before the Racer X podcast, but it's going to require a lot of commitment from your end. Uh, yeah, I'll pass on that. <laughs> so no, I'm there. I'm, I'm there. <laughs> no, I, I'm. If what? So if I if. I'll commit if you give it up. I, I no, that's not how it works. If you want to, if we can, I can get it out before. I can get this out before. The, Adam Wheeler's just text me. I swear to God, some there's some weird psychic energy going well, on here. There's only so many like mangoes you can have. 
You can't have two manginas at the same time. Um, do you want? Do, do, sorry, did you want to carry on this podcast, or did you want to go back to Alan? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because um, that, that was that was the uh, delay as you're reading the text. And it's like, oh, should I carry on the podcast or should I get back to Adam? No, um, what I was oh, going to say is, you're that so, we, Adam, you're so great. We can't get this podcast out when I was twelve. One, I dreamed of this moment when if we can get this podcast out before the Racer X one, but it's going to take some commitment from your side because the Racer X one gets recorded at ten a.m. on a Monday morning. So we're going to have to be doing this at seven a.m. on a Monday morning. That's Can fine. I count on you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I'll be in the I'm warehouse then. I'll be in the warehouse then, but we can do it. Okay. I might actually, I might actually I'm test this. Do you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to make this podcast into a five-hour podcast. So you missed the Racer X one. Well, that won't be possible, I'm afraid. And also, I'm hosting, so I don't know how you're going to manage to control the time. <laughs> <laughs> I said I said racing, didn't I? I meant hosting. Jesus Christ, what a day. <laughs> um... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Why did I say I'm racing? <laughs> what a strange thing to come out with. Um, that is Leah Ask Wise Anything. Thank you for your questions. Sorry about the delay. Great questions this week. Great to see so many new names. So, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Lewis, is I'd, obviously I wasn't at Lommel. What does the new um, Leah Clue uh, gear look like? Is it good? I mean, I know you weren't at Lommel, but do you have do you do you have social media? <laughs> no. No, I've I've come <laughs> off at social media. I don't believe in it. Okay. Um, if you head over to official Liat on Instagram, you can get a look at the sneak peek of what's coming from Liat. Um, there's I'm some videos on right there. Now. There's some videos of there of Camden McClellan and uh, the FNH guys in their sneak peek gear. So head over to there. And like I say, stay tuned to all of our channels for news on what's coming from Liat in the coming weeks. It's not too far away now. And as I've mentioned a few times, uh, Liat continues to go from strength to strength. But how far they've come is phenomenal, and how far they continue to go will be phenomenal. Uh, I've seen a lot of what's to come, and I'm sure you'll be very impressed. So stay tuned for that. Liat.com, if you want to head a, head to a direct source, um, you could say. Right. I like it. I, think that, okay, I like it. Like I think that more than wraps up part two. So let's head to a commercial break. But before we head to a commercial break, I would like to remind you what our friends at Scott Sports have got going on. The Sufcon Air Protection Range from Scott sets new standards in upper body protection and offers riders a revolutionary solution to staying protected whilst riding. Constructed using exclusive D30 protection plates, the Scott protectors are low profile, soft and flexible to give you maximum comfort while riding. In the event of a crash, the D30 plates instantly go hard on impact, giving you the protection that you need when it counts. The Softcon Air range also provide greatly increased airflow to the body. The breathable protection plates combined with strategically placed anti-moisture panels mean this body armor works hard to keep you cool and dry when the action heats up. All Scott upper body protectors are fully CE certified level 1 or level 2. Protect what matters, Scott Sports. Scott-sports.com for more. Like I said, a lot going on at Scott. And if you don't want... um to protect what matters, why don't you amplify your vision? Scott-sports.com Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, Supercross Video Pass, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix, Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Thank you for listening to part two. We'll come back with something quite interesting to talk about, I feel. So stay tuned. We'll see you in just a couple of minutes.
You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. The MX Vice Show. Welcome back to episode 105 of the MX Vice Show. Great to be back. It's actually been quite an enjoyable podcast. A lot going on in the sport at the moment, and it's motocross at the end of the day, and I like motocross, I must say. I think that's Thank the you. cool thing, hey? You've got, all these different, you've got all these different events going on, but at the end of the day, I can't wait to see it. You know, World Supercross, I want to watch that. The, you know, the SMX version of what Feld and, and, and Pro Motocross are doing, I want to watch that. You know, like, I love it. It just means more racing. It means more motocross. What's not to love? I, thank you. Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. This is part three of the MX Vice Show, and that is presented to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world, hence why everything the Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. And I'm going to head to pro-x.com now, and I'm going to learn more using their parts finder. So on this, you choose your bike, the model, and the year. I have going for a KTM. 250 SXF, 2012, because why not 2012? There are a lot of you out there who have a bike from 2012. My last bike was from 2012. Why? There was nothing wrong with that. I haven't had a bike in a long time. Not sure I'll ever ride again. Anyway, if I did, I would head to pro-x.com because it's like a foolproof guide to finding what you need for your bike. If you're a bit mechanically challenged like myself, this is perfect. So I've searched for a KTM 250 2012 and on there they now uh procs do air filters big end pins brake discs brake pads brake rebuild kits cables cam chains clutch inner hub clutch baskets clutch cushions i'll be all day if i do anything but if i just scroll down this massive list to the bottom wheel spacer kits wheel bearings valves rear sprockets pistons oil filters gaskets front fork dust cap Fork seal protector, fork seal protector. How many fork, how many people's fork seals have gone over the years? I remember mine oh. did. Um, drive Bro- chain, Bro- so much, so so much. The only Basically, thing they do is, is handlebars. It's like a library. It's like a library um, for your bike. It's like a library that's been custom made for your bike. So you buy a bike. What do you need? You head to prohyphenx.com, and from there you learn what you need. It's really quite simple. Anyway. On with part three. Thanks to Prox for presenting part three. So last week, again, this was down to do last week, but we'll do it now. Um, Fresno Smoothest on Twitter, at F Smoothest. Familiar with Fresno Smooth? 
Yes, yep. Oh, okay. Um, has sent us this thread that they want our thoughts on. Yeah, he's they very said, interactive on Twitter with us. I actually said, at LewisPhillips71, would love your take on this thread. Brackets, who cares what James Burfield thinks? So, mm-hmm. clearly, so clearly a man who's in tune with what's going on in the world. Anyway. Yeah. The so he's reads, a nice guy. He's a nice guy. The f- well, yeah. And he's also very smart for realizing that no one cares what you think. Anyway. Mm-hmm. The Fred reads, I think MXGP has a real problem brewing. Caroli is gone. In three years, Hurlings and Fevre will be gone, as will some of the old stalwarts, Van, Hor- Van-, Van Horbick types. Van Horbick also announced his retirement last week, by the way. Geyser and Sewer will either be gone or close to it. All indications are that Biao is coming stateside. Of course, he actually is. We know that now as well. And we know Lagenfelder has interest, while Gertz has some kind of USA clause in his deal. Uh, I think he's talking about Benestant there, because I said on this podcast that Benestant has a USA clause in his deal. But still, same thing applies. Now, consider that MXGP has already lost a lot of top international talent to the US in the last decade, like Marvin, Kenny, Ferrandis, the Lawrence brothers. And there are others with lower profiles too. Meanwhile, they functionally added zero US riders, meaning that there are a clear trade deficit on talent and that it's about to rear its ugly head. There's not enough coming in MX2 or in EMX to stave off the losses that are coming, especially in addition to the losses that have already occurred. I know a lot of American fans are worried about what World Supercross will do to pro motocross, but I'd be more worried for MXGP as a whole. World Supercross won't really harm MXGP. I know that. I mean, I agree with that, sorry. At least not directly. But MXGP as a whole feels like feel, feels like it's in a very vulnerable position to lose significant relevance. Are Prado, Renault, and Fernandez enough to carry the series? More 20-man gates? Because that's what the future looks like. Um, I enjoy stuff like that because it gets me thinking. It gets my mind ticking. It gets me, gets me moving. Um, where to start? I agree... I've said this I've said this to loads of people and I actually think I said it to David Luongo as well. Hurlings has carried this championship on his back more than anyone realizes. His personality, his uh the aura that surrounds him. Jeffrey Hurlings walks through the paddock and you go fucking hell that's Jeffrey Hurlings. Similar to what you do with Eli Tomac, Ken Moxon, blah blah blah. The aura that surrounds Hurlings is irreplaceable. Ignore what he does on the track, which is obviously amazing as well, but his personality and what he brings to a championship, a sponsor, a team, blah, 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 is irreplaceable. When MXGP loses hurlings, it will be a significant loss. I think we've seen a little teaser of what that's like this year. So, MXGP needs more personalities. Yes, as Fresno Smoothies said, we are at a significant trade deficit with the USA. That is fine as long as the talent coming through in Europe can make a personality uh, make a personality uh, what would you say, make themselves make themselves relevant off of the bike. Gertz, amazing guy, he is irrelevant when he takes his helmet off. He has no social presence, he has terrible interviews, he isn't relatable, he isn't anything. Essentially, he is useless once he takes his helmet off. He, he offers nothing to MXGP. Harsh, but true. So that is a problem. We basically need MX2 riders coming through who are very good, very fast, but also bring something in the pits, bring something on social media, get people excited. Even Vial, he's more present on social media, but he's still not like moving the needle like Hurlings does, like Caroli did. Um, Fevre also, I've said this before, Fevre last year in Majora, 
when I did a post-race podcast with him, he stood there and he went, I think I can beat Hurlings in the sand next week. I believe that I'm. this is the time I'm going to beat Hurlings in the sand. Crazy claim, but that's the type of confidence, the type of vibe that you want from a star athlete because it basically makes everyone sit there and go, fucking hell, next week's going to be good. Whereas at the moment with the Vial Gertz title fight, which is very interesting, I feel like we're just all moving from week to week and just going through the motions a little bit. Because truth be told, I don't think there are any fans out there, unless maybe the Belgian and Dutch fans, who really care who wins. Last year, when we had Caroli versus Hurlings versus Feathera versus Geyser versus Prado, what a year. I think every single fan, American, British, Australian, had a favourite. They... If you'd got everyone sat around, a ta- if you got 10 fans sat around a table, they would have debated why they want said person to win the championship. If you've got 10 random fans around a table now, I'm not sure that they will sit there and really debate why they want Gertz or Vial to win a championship because I'm not sure that people really care. I don't feel like people are invested in these riders. I think it's on MXGP's head to make the riders more accessible, more relatable, more relevant, more in your face off the bike. I also think it's on our head because we, at the end of the day, we do have a platform so we can make, look at what MX Vice has done for Sewer. Maybe I can do that with Vial or not Vial because he's going. Maybe not Gertz because that's a lost cause. Maybe I can do that with Lagenfelder because Lagenfelder's got something exciting about him. I also think it's on the riders, the teams, the sponsors to realize that also there's another part to the world now. I think that's where there's a significant issue. Um, Part two. Obviously, that's not the whole thing. There is a bit of a talent drought at the moment, but we do go through that. That does happen. This thing works in ebbs and flows. When you think about it, we had Roxon join MX2 in 2010, and then the next year we had Hurlings. To get talent like that back-to-back is like, you can't expect that every year. To have those two come through so close together is amazing. Like, brilliant. We were very spoiled at that point. We are in a drought at the moment, but there are the Conan brothers coming. They're heavily tipped they want to go to america but right now there's no clear path for that so they are heavily tipped they are very excited very uh people are in the paddock talking about them but again they're not a jet lawrence they're not moving the needle off the bike they're not like okay the belgian fans are very excited about the conan brothers are the british fans no are the british fans excited about jet lawrence or were they excited about jet lawrence when he was doing emx 250 on a suzuki yes were so they? that's where yeah were well, they, you don't though? think you don't think there was jet lawrence hype when he was 14 years old and winning emx 250 on a suzuki there was jet there were people watching emx 250 just to see this jet lawrence kid see there was but it was i don't think it was the majority you see that that's the that's the one thing which worries me because um we could see it but it just didn't feel like the hype ports around Jet Lawrence now and where he is now, and then when I think about when he won that race um, in EMX 250 at 14 years old, I just expected more. I expected more hype, but there wasn't. And it's and, and that's what worries me about you know when we when we have got these these talented kids coming through. Oh, hello, Dougie. Uh, when these talented kids coming through, it's like. It's, it is their platform in Europe. That's I think there's definitely something broken or something wrong in Europe where they don't get the same recognition. Do you agree? 
No, I think you're wrong about the Jet Lawrence hype. There was Jet Lawrence hype. There were people very excited about Hunter. There were people very excited about Jet. There was that. That Okay, obviously it wasn't on the level that it is now, but Jet's gone on to do amazing things and his profile's only grown. But of course. at that point, there was Rocks and Hurlings level interest in the Lawrence brothers and Jet Lawrence. Like that was there. There's no doubt. Um, and also, partly because his personality off a bite, like, he would talk to anyone. Um, I remember when he was in when when he was in the MX250, he was stood talking to a couple of fans for like two hours. Why? Just because that was his personality, um, and that's what at the end of the day, that's what wins you fans. Um, look how popular Tommy is now. Imagine yeah. if he had had that popularity when he was in MX2. Combine that with his results, and he would have been basically it, killing it like yeah. in every direction like the money he would have made in like maybe maybe the world's different now but if if still if you take his profile now and combine it with his mx2 results from that back then it's like an unbeatable combo um there's two pieces to this puzzle and my my concern is that most upcoming mxgp riders either have z- no pieces or only one piece i can't think of a rider who has both pieces See, I, I, I think lagenfelder has it yeah, we've we've spoken we've spoken quite a bit about Lagenfelder, and he is the next logical person who could um, cross over um, Hawk, into America to a degree as well. No, but we're yeah. not talking about crossing over to America. I'm saying has it as in has the full the package of yeah gets people talking, gets people excited. People were going there just to see that. Okay, Hawkmo not because he's like of his talent, but because of his vlogs and stuff like that. But still, that is a big part of the game. It's because a massive if he part. Didn't, it, Look, if Hawkmo uh, didn't if he, have his vlogs, I don't think people would be talking about him as much. If you look at what the, the package, what Lucas Myrtle and Jet Lawrence have done in, in literally what that's worth, it's just crazy. The only good thing what we've got is this next generation of kids, which are coming through and, you know, they're fast on the bikes, but also they get the whole social media, they get the whole vid- the video you know, they've been brought up with a generation of Love Island in in, in Gone as well. So they understand the value of of doing blogs, of of doing TikTok videos and stuff like that. How many riders around about twenty five to thirty really understand the value of those things at the moment? Yeah, but it's not, yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about riders coming up. There aren't people doing that in EMX and stuff. But that isn't just a full thing because there is a talent deficit as well. But what I'm saying is, you can make up that talent deficit a little bit by having stars. And we yeah, don't have we... many stars at the moment. Like, because at the end of the day, it's not just about getting it because Gertz obviously understands TikTok and Instagram. It doesn't matter if, if Gertz makes a TikTok account tomorrow, it ain't gonna go very far. No, but I, I do believe that I've seen enough with talent pool and also personalities of riders coming through um that we are gonna go through three or four years of it not being you know we're so used to having a hurlins we're so used to having a roxon and and you know jet lawrence and these people established at the moment i think we're going to go through three or four years of not having one of those stars but i do believe that there are going to be a couple on the way i but I, there, um, there is going to be a three to four year gap between you know without us having this next this next big big thing Going back to the thing about is uh, are Prado, Renault, and Fernandez enough to carry MXGP? I do believe Prado. Pra- okay, Prado's had a bad year, but let's not forget how good Prado was when he was coming through. How good he was last year. He does have that X factor. He can he move the needle. So, and I think I do believe that he can be used more. I think he could be a Jet Lawrence. I genuinely, I've said it. I've had, I've had a proper conversation with him and said to him like. 
we ha- we had a proper open conversation off the record about how big his profile could be away from the bike and what he can do to help it and how he can make more money with this brand, this brand, this brand. He's at the end of the day, the guy's sponsored by Adidas, so he has it. He has the X factor. Yeah. Um, Renault, I don't know. Renault is a great rider, but again, he's just quite like there isn't much there apart from the riding. And Fernandez the same. Like Fernandez is a maybe the nicest guy in MXGP. But are there really Fernandez fans out there apart from Spanish people? Adam Wheeler's a Fernandez fan. <laughs> but and there are people in the paddock who believe in Fernandez. There are people in the paddock who think he's the next best thing. But as far as fans go, is anyone traveling to a GP and going, I can't wait to see Fernandez in person this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. Adam, he keeps coming up on this podcast. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think back when I was going to GPs. I was so like Everts when I first started going to GPs 2005ish Everts was the guy but that wasn't my guy so I wasn't excited to see Everts but there were three other riders who I was I was excited I've said it a Josh Coppins times. Josh I was Coppins excited to be and Coppins, Coppins and Townley but my brother was excited to go and see Pichon like so there were ex- there were riders there who were superstars and maybe it's cuz you're young you do see things differently but even when I was older it's like 15 going to Matley I couldn't wait to see Roxon in the flesh. Again, he's a very special talent and you don't get many people like that. But still, like that was a it was a thing. Um I I can remember going to a British Championship race, I think it was Mallory, uh just to see Roxon. Literally, I I just went to that race because Roxon was there. I just I think I think and I bang on it about it a lot, but I genuinely think the answer is we've got to make people excited about the MXGP riders because just saying that, oh, they're great riders, that isn't enough. How Perfect example. We're going to go to Redbud. How many American fans... Okay, say Hurlings was at Redbud. How many American fans would clamor around the KTM morning to see a, to get a glimpse of Hurlings? A shit ton. Yeah. How many, how many American fans are going to clamor around the awning to get a look at Renault? Yeah, they're not going to because he doesn't bring the hype. But you know, Hurlins, that, that, I, I understand what uh, is Doug. You're right. Go on. Um, I understand what you're saying, but Hurlins is a one of a kind. This is a he is like a Carmichael. You know, he's up there. Is what is one of the best ever. So, like, it's hard to compare any other rider to Hurlins. I understand what you're saying about like Renault and these other people. They, they haven't got the impact. But... Yeah, but I'm not saying it has to be to Hurling's level, but you can have a bit of that. You can have a bit, but, you know, I, I agree with you. I think we have to shoulder some of the blame, the media. I think the teams have to shoulder some of the blame because they lock down the road riders so tight with, like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Da, da, da. They, they're not allowed a personality. Because they're scared that their personality is going to bring disrespect or whatever to the, to the manufacturer or team or whatever. It's like, actually, you're prohibiting them from actually marketing themselves and marketing the team. Like, you're stopping yourself from actually attracting new sponsors because you're making things so bloody boring. Like, like and I, I went on about it last week, I think, and one of the things which really pisses me off are these new trucks, which are goldfish bowls, right? 
so so if you're telling the riders to have no personality because if you have a personality you're going to get fined for it and then you stick everything behind a goldfish bowl how are you supposed to make these teams and these riders attractive to different audiences when you're just literally closing off the front door to everyone i don't get it i don't get it you're investing you're spending two million pounds on an mxgp season but like there's no value there for sponsors there's 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 value as in okay we might get our sticker seen on MXGP TV on your bike but surely you want people to actually come and support the team and support the riders because they want to because it's fun because they're piquing your interest because it's like you know you're you're excited to see them in a moment I'm not excited I walk in the MXGP pits and see those bloody goldfish bowls and I, I just I'm over it. Like, yeah, I, okay, I, you're getting, yeah, you're, you're getting. There's a, there's three of them, and b, you're way off topic now. Um, no, 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 really I'm, no, no, I'm no, no. So, right, okay, I won't fixate on the goldfish bowls, but what I'm no, saying, but like, no one is, wants to hear goldfish bowl talk every week. So we get it. Okay, so what I'm saying is, if the teams are so standoffish and disconnect from from the um, fans by the riders, you know, can't say anything with fear of reprisals or um, fines or whatever. So you've got a rider who's just going to say the basic stuff, which as a media person trying to get that out of somebody, how do you make an interview entertaining if they can't say anything? But it's like, I've, but it's not, it's it's everything. It's everything in Europe. Like, again, this doesn't really factor in, but I think it does in some small way. Jet Lawrence and Chase Sexton have the sickest Alpine Stars gear in America. And every week I'm like, cool, that looks good. They give their they give the Yamaha MXGP team just standard gear. Like I've said to like Sewer, when Sewer's had custom gear this year, he designed it himself and he the pushed it. The Argentina one was freaking yeah. awesome. Yeah, and all designed. The rider had to take that upon himself to make that happen. Like, so why why does Jet Lawrence and Chase Sexton get sick Alpine Stars gear? And why doesn't that trickle over to the European guys? Because that's also a different that's also a thing, because that's how it starts. Oh, that rider looks sick. And then, it, and, yeah, then and then suddenly you. But but what is the reason? What is the reason that they do this in America and not in and no one even thinks about doing it in Europe? I um. It's not. I just it's think not, it's not being lazy, is it? Like no, the, I just think that people aren't being lazy. That's not a case of that, is it? They run out of ideas. But then again, they could look at the American series and say, "Why are we not doing that?" I just think that. Okay, we are heading into a bit of a talent deficit. That is clear. MX2 class will be quite good next year because it should be like six riders who are all capable of winning. I think it will be quite good from a competition standpoint. But again, will anyone actually care about who wins? That's that's at the end of the day the most important thing. Because there's a very... uh, Someone watching a motocross race on TV and someone watching a motocross race on TV and cheering for someone are two very different things. Um... I just think that we need to we need to bring the riders out of their shell. The up, we need to bring the upcoming riders out of their shells. We need to expose them more. We need to get some hype going. We need to get some shit talk going. We need to get every, we just need to get things rolling with whatever. Um, yeah, but we're not going to get that if everybody is is prohibited from doing anything. Well, no one's prohibited from doing anything at the moment yet. Anyway, now you know what I mean. Like I know what. I think you understand what I'm saying. It's like yes, there has yes. to be some 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 boundaries need to be um, 
you know, removed. You know, they they need to like trust. They need to want to do and try new things to like literally change it up. But like, I I don't think it's rocket science. I really don't. Well, on that thought, on that final thought, on that bombshell, um, we're bringing back MX Vice magazine. What 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 is the TV show that ends with? And on that bombshell. Oh, Top Gear. Anyway, and on that bombshell... Um, All right, Claxon. That was the final part of VMX Vice show, episode 105, all focused around one tweet. Who would have thought? Uh, that was brought to you by Prox Racing Parts, who supply genuine replacement products which meet or even exceed OEM quality. All parts are manufactured to highest quality standard at state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities around the world. Hence why everything that Prox Racing Parts offer exceeds the highest level requirements for all motocross riders require. Many of the Prox parts are actually made by the same suppliers to the OEMs. Head to pro-x.com now to learn more. Thank you to Fly Racing, who also have some very exciting stuff in the works. You will see that very shortly. Very, very shortly. Liat, Scott Sport, and also Fly Racing, Jason Thomas will be in Sweden commentating on MXGP TV again. So just something to watch out for there. Thank you to Fly Racing, Liat, Scott Sports, Rentful, Manscaped, Planet Motor Holidays, Prox Racing Parts, MXGP TV, Even Strokes, Asterix Knee Braces, and Armour Nutrition. Any final thoughts? Yes, Lewis. Uh, I'm on holiday next week. Um, so what have you got lined up? Who have you got lined up? Uh, it's a surprise. <laughs> that means you haven't done anything. Will you be listening? Um, I will. Depends how drunk I am. Yeah, I think well, I will listen, always... actually, because I will have time. I'll be, I'll be, uh, do you know what? I might, I might actually take the time to catch up on a whole year's worth of, um, pre-race no post-race podcast or uh monday morning around 11 a.m um there will be a racer x review podcast online why don't you go fuck yourself well if you're looking for things to listen to that is an option why don't you um why don't you pop over and and stay there okay i will you and adam (laughs) be happy together that that backfired didn't it (laughs) (laughs) we'll see We'll see. Anyway, uh, great final four. I will be back next week, I hope. <laughs> I will find someone. Um, I will find someone. Or you get me drunk from Greece. Quite frankly, I'm looking forward to the break. So We've already had a break last week. From you. I'm not from the oh. podcast. I want to oh. do, do the podcast every week. Um, I'd imagine Tom Neal will make his comeback for one of the weeks. Well, I, um, I like Tom, but um, I genuinely thought like you've had a lot of time to plan this. Um, not I hard, was expecting a Chad Reed or a Josh Coppins. Imagine you and Josh you know Coppins what? on a on a podcast. Imagine that. I don't. Th- I don't think we'd be talking about the current day much. Monday, you were two miles away from Josh Coppins. How did that make you feel? Fine. Anyway, um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to the partners. Sorry about James walking out last week, but we're back this week, so you got something. Sorry yeah, about apolo- that. Apologies for um, Lewis being a complete knob last week. If you ever um, listen, if if you ever listen to the, um, if you ever, if anyone listened to Pulp MX from the very beginning, that time when Kenny Watson walked out halfway through the show, but it was live, so they couldn't really do anything about stopping it or anything. Um, that happens a lot on this podcast, but because we're not live, you never see it. 
When yeah. there's not a podcast, there's a high chance that we actually started one and James walked out. There, there was a, I think there's been three, three podcasts where you've literally pissed me off so much. No, it's been more, it's more, we're more like five, six, seven. Well, maybe you should take a look at yourself. It's a miracle that I don't. Luckily, I'm a professional, so I don't walk out. But trust me, there's been plenty of times when I've considered it. Anyway, thank you to our partners. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to everyone. We're off to Sweden, round 15 of 2022 MXGP. For the I'm Randall Price host. of £3,000 for the flights. It wasn't that bad. I will be going... I will be very busy and not reachable on Friday because I will be go-karting all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't expect any emails or phone calls because you were oh. trying to beat his lap record. Uh, who are you <laughs> going to race? Are you going to race Jeremy? Uh, well, so I'm quite busy because I believe at one point I'm racing Vlanderin. Oh. And then another point I'm racing Jeremy. Yeah, and there and then there are a few others in the works. So I've okay. got a few different I like heat this. races. You yeah, know that Sean different... will kick all of your asses, don't you? I'm very good around that track. It is a you, good track for me. You're you're good, but Sean is way better. No, I'm good. I'm good around that track. Do I you am, think I... you've got? Do you think that you can beat your co like your coworker Sean Ogden? Ranked? I'm. I there may have been a yes or no. Um, yes, I've beaten him. I've been, I'm, I'm almost unbeatable around that track. I've won a lot. Shut around that. up. I, I have been beat. I have won, say, 80% around that track of what I've done. I'm, I am very good around that track. Outdoor go-karting is my thing. Outdoors, especially. Anyway, there may have been a financial wager made with one Jeremy Sewer on who will win. Oh, wow. And obviously, if, if, he, if he loses the money, it probably won't have as big an impact on him. So I've got a lot to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look for me to be if he doesn't race on Sundays because I was so desperate to not lose my money that I literally t-boned him off the rocks. Yeah, that would that would literally top off um, your relationship with Yamaha. Hi Yamaha, good news. I'm not interview, interviewing Jeremy this weekend. Bad news because he's not here. Yeah, because he's at the other side of the quarry. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you to the partners. I will be back next week. James won't. Praise the Lord. That's episode 105. See you. See you next week. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the MX Vice Show. Even Strokes is the newest e-commerce store in motocross. Built by motocross enthusiasts, Even Strokes understands your need and offers all of the products you need for a weekend at the track. Shop now for Yoko, Alpine Stars, Fast House, and more at evenstrokes.com. Escaping everyday life and riding in Spain has never been better, and you can still experience that right now. Planet Moto still have packages available, plus customizable options with the Planet Moto Academy. If you want to hit the tracks like Red Sand as soon as possible, visit planetmoto.co for more information. Known for producing the world's most effective neck braces, Liat continues to evolve and can now protect riders from head to toe. No matter whether it is their new for 2021 4.5 boot, which offers advanced technology at a mid-range price point, or the all-new 7.5 helmet that comes with free Liat bulletproof velocity goggles, Liat has you covered. Shop Liat's extensive line of off-road gear on www.liat.com. You are listening to the MX Vice Show.